to Proverbs. We're starting a, a uh, summer series. We're going to take a break from our, our Roman series, which has been wonderful. Um, it's been wonderful for, for us pastors to walk through Romans the way we've been, we've been studying it, as well as, as preach it to you. And I hope it's been enjoyable as far as the material you're getting from Romans. Uh, and um, so, yes, thank you. So, um, but, um, but we're going to take a break from that for, uh, through the summer, and we're going to do Proverbs. We're going to do a, a, ser- a short series on Proverbs for the next, uh, I think, 10 to 12 weeks. Uh, so we're excited about that, and, and we hope that that will be uh, beneficial to you as well. So, um, so let's, let's start with that. We're going to do Proverbs 1 this morning. We're going to ver- be doing verses 1 through 7. And I'll read the text and then pray for the preaching of God's word. Okay? The text should appear on the screen behind me as well. Okay, God's word says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let me pray. Father God, as we now dive into your word this morning, I pray that through the Holy Spirit we will be affected, Father God. Our hearts would be pierced to know the truth of your word, and it would cause change in us, Father. I thank you, Lord, for your truth, for your wisdom that you've given us through Proverbs, and ask, Lord, that that would begin to enlighten us this morning. As we begin this series, Father, teach us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, I'm going to start with an illustration. It's called A Perfect Heart. And this was adapted from an original story uh, by Reverend Gary Izzard. And the story goes like this. A young man once stood on a street corner, opened his coat, and cried, Look at my heart! Look at my perfect, perfect heart. The crowd soon gathered, impressed by his perfect heart. They stood in awe of a heart without blemish, perfect and complete in every way. Soon, an old man walked by and paused to see what all the commotion was about. When he heard the young man proudly crying, Look at my perfect heart! 
The old man pushed his way to the front to get a closer look. And when he saw the young man's heart, he scolded him. Son, that's not a perfect heart. If you want to see a perfect heart, you need to see mine. With that, the old man opened his coat to reveal an old, knotted, and ugly heart. It was full of bumps and holes, and pieces of it had broken off here and there. The crowd began to laugh, but the old man raised his hand and began to speak. See this bump? He said, that's when I met my first love. Oh, how the sun shone that day. How bright the colors of the universe were. How sweet the singing of the birds in the trees. What a wonderful moment it was. Ah, but see this hole. That's when my first love and I broke up. How it pained me and, and pains me still. But the hole once ran much deeper. The years have managed to fill in a lot. See this bump? That's when I met my, the woman who became my life partner. Oh, what a wonderful life we had. Year after year of shared companionship, of laughter, tears, and joy. The scratch here is when we had a huge argument that threatened to end our marriage. But we made up and moved on. Over here, this place where a piece of my heart has been broken off, this is when she passed away. Oh, the ache. Yes, it still aches even today. For she took a part of my heart to, to the grave with her, but I trust she will return it to me someday. The old man went on to describe many other bumps and holes and scratches on his heart, and when he finished, the crowd was silent. You see, son, he said, turning to the young man with the unblemished heart, yours is not a perfect heart, for it has not lived. It has not been touched with joy and tears, and laughter, and love, and pain, and anguish, and hardships, and celebration. Only when you are an old man like me will you be able to look upon a gnarled and battered heart and be able to say, yes, now that is a perfect heart. Life like the perfect heart, has to be lived. Has to be experienced, both the good and the bad. Life has to be learned from. Life has to be taught from and shared. Life is not spotless and perfect, but has blemishes and character. Like the old man's heart in my illustration this morning, life that is lived well is not unblemished. It is filled with deep character and insight. You see, life is too complex to rely on simple rules to make life go well. 
If we are to live life well, we'll need more than simple rules to follow. We'll need wisdom. We'll need wisdom to help us along the way. Wisdom that is learned, gathered, and acquired every day for the rest of our lives. Proverbs is a book of God's wisdom intended to help us live life well. Life lived well with wisdom is not like a spotless, unblemished heart, but rather like a heart with bumps and holes and scratches, a heart that has lived life well. The verses we read this morning open up the whole book of Proverbs to us by outlining what Proverbs is about. We're going to take a closer look at these this morning as we start our summer series on Proverbs. Now, the, the three things that we'll look at this morning are the title, which is in verse 1, the goals, which are in verses 2 through 6, and then the threshold or the gateway, which is outlined in verse 7. So let's begin with point number 1, the title. Now, two things stand out about this verse. One, how this book communicates to us. And then two, where this book comes from. So first, how this book communicates. The Proverbs. That's kind of a dead giveaway of how this book communicates. The Proverbs. It is what it is. Now, the word Proverbs means short saying of practical truth that's easy to remember. And here are some, some short sayings of practical truth. Things you might consider as Proverbs. Look before you leap. Okay, that's pretty smart, yeah. Here's another one. Two wrongs don't make a right. I'm sure you've heard of these. Here's some more. Better safe than sorry. How about this one? A friend in need is a friend indeed. I, don't, I like this one. Don't talk the talk if you can't walk the walk. And one of my favorites, if you snooze, you lose. <laughs> Practice what you preach. Probably made specifically for pastors. Here's one for the doctor in the house who's not here because he's on the trip. An apple a day keeps the doctor away. <laughs> well, he probably doesn't like that one, does he? Yeah. And then my, one of my favorites, money doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> You've heard that one. Except I grew up hearing my parents' version of this. and It went like this. What's the matter with you, boy? You think money grows on trees? <laughs> I can still hear my dad saying that. Dad, if you're listening to this audio, uh, I get it now. <laughs> Proverbs in the Bible, however, take on more meaning. They offer more than just common sense. They're examples of biblical wisdom that pertain to life lived out in a God-glorifying way. They raise questions of values, moral behavior, 
the meaning of human life and, and right conduct. The Hebrew noun proverb is related to a verb that means to represent, to be like. So a proverb is like a little dose of reality. It's truth. Growing up in the 60s and 70s, I hung around kids who would say, it's the truth, man. It's the truth, man, instead of saying it's reality. Because if you said it's reality, you were kicked out of the, the group. It's the truth, man. I don't know what they say today. What is it? True dat? <laughs> I think I've heard that. True dat. If we study these proverbs, then we are studying and preparing ourselves for reality. Reality in life and how to live life well. Here's a quote from a sermon preached by uh, uh, a pastor at Believer's Chapel in Dallas, Texas, by the name of Dr. Bruce Walkey. He says this, The world says, live and learn. God is saying, learn and live. I like that. The world says, live and learn. You hear that all the time. Live and learn. God is saying, here's Proverbs, learn and then live. The other thing that stands out about this verse is where this book comes from. Of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. An interesting note about the book of Proverbs is that some scholars say that it doesn't often connect us with the history of God's people. In other words, it doesn't keep pointing us back to Abraham or Moses and the Exodus. So these scholars have perceived the wisdom of Proverbs is accessible without God. They see the wisdom available to everybody alike. All you have to do is be smart in order to get what it means in Proverbs. But what these scholars overlook is the very first verse, which tells us where the book comes from. Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, right there. Right up front, it tells us that it stands in line with the flow of biblical history, which, like all biblical history, then leads us to Jesus. And that's how we intend to study Proverbs by seeing how it pertains to Jesus in our walk with Christ. And we'll begin to perceive this more clearly if we understand the goals of the book of Proverbs. So that's what we're going to look at next. Point number two, the goals. God has given us two goals in Proverbs, and they're identified in verse 2 to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. Here are the goals. Deep character. That's goal number one, deep character. To know wisdom and instruction. Now this is coupled with verses three and four, which I'll go over in a, in a minute. And then the other goal is straight thinking. To understand words of insight. To understand words of insight. And that is tied with verse six. Now verse five is a parenthetical statement um, urging even the wise to take instruction. 
Proverbs is for the simple, the young, and the wise. So let's go to our first goal, deep character, to know wisdom and instruction. So what is, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? Wisdom is more than just brains. It's more than just morals. Okay? Wisdom is a culmination of skill, expertise, and a good understanding of how life really works, how to be successful. And it's built over a lifetime of building skills and expertise and understanding. Like the old man in our perfect heart story from before. See, wisdom understands how life can work well. We all live life. And most understand how real life works. But does life work well for everybody? doesn't without wisdom. God is saying to us through Proverbs, in order for real life to work well, you need wisdom. This is why he gave us the book of Proverbs. It's not enough to be smart or uh, good-looking or wealthy. To live life well, you must be wise and apply that wisdom to your life. I have a quote here taken from a book in the Preaching and Preaching the Word series called Proverbs Wisdom That Works by Raymond C. Ortland Jr. He says this about wisdom. Wisdom knows better than to walk onto the football field and hope the game will go well somehow. Wisdom draws up a game plan that will score more touchdowns than the opponents because that plan takes into account not only the rules of the game, but also the psychology and timing and strategy and everything it takes to win. That's wisdom. But we aren't born with wisdom. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're not born with it. To attain it, it must be coupled with instruction and discipline. We gain wisdom through the Lord's instruction and discipline, which doesn't come easy because of our flesh, our desire to be independent. It is our arrogance of being above instruction. Too smart for it, or too good for it, or perhaps too busy for it. That's what gets in the way of being able to learn wisdom from God. There's also failure and correction involved, which none of us like. Who likes to fail? Who likes to be corrected? <laughs> no. Learning, taking direction, asking questions, and, and then listening to the answers so you can gain in knowledge. These are things that are difficult to do. It takes humility. And if you're proud like me, you'll know that humility often comes in short supply. We must unlearn being 
proud and learn to be humble, willing to be teachable, desiring to learn the wisdom of God. When you're young, let's say under 30, we think we know it all. So gaining in wisdom is slow. For some, very slow, even impossible. As we get older, we begin to realize that we don't know it all. And for some of us, we probably know less than we're willing to admit. But we're beginning to listen. We're beginning to learn. Even for the most senior, which I don't consider myself in yet, but even for the most senior are still learning because they've gained enough wisdom to help them understand that the goal of deep character can always be added to can always be improved upon. Although laziness and apathy could set in when we get older, so we, we have to watch out for that. Raymond Ortland says, let's not die before we die. I think that's a good proverb. Let's not die before we die. So how do we grow in deep character? Verses 3 and 4 tell us how. First, to receive. To receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To receive instruction, that is being taught. To receive instruction, being taught. James 1.21 says, receive with meekness. The implanted word for which is able to save your souls. The simple act of humbling ourselves, actually it's probably not simple, right? I should probably say the most difficult act of humbling ourselves to receive instruction is how we gain in wise dealings. It's how we gain in righteousness, how we gain in justice and in equity. Equity being the quality of being fair and impartial. By being instructed, by being taught, by receiving instruction is how we gain in these areas. How do we grow in deep character? Secondly, to give. First, to receive, then to give. It says to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. To give Prudence to the simple. Prudence is, is the same as being, or, or, or the word shrewdness. Shrewdness is the quality of having or showing good powers of judgment. Being prudent, to give prudence. Teaching someone how to make good decisions. First I was receiving and now I'm giving. So I'm teaching someone how to make good decisions. To give Knowledge and discretion to the youth. Knowledge, in this case, an understanding of the link between deed and consequences. To understand the link between uh, what we do and the consequences we pay for our doing. And discretion, an understanding of how to avoid temptations when they arise. The young so desperately need our help in this area. But not just the young, right? 
We all need an understanding, a discretionary area where we, we understand how to avoid temptations. So deep character, which is covered in verses 3 and 4, not only grows as we receive, but also when we give or we instruct others, provided we're doing it with humility and God's grace. I mentioned earlier that verse 5, sandwiched between the first and second goal, is a parenthetical statement, but a very important one. It's a reminder that even seasoned veterans must keep on learning. Let the wise gain in wisdom. Actually, Solomon implores us to watch out, lest we die before we die. There are three words that stand out in this verse. Hear, increase, and obtain. These are action words, calling us to action. Verse 5 says, let the wise hear. Let the wise hear, that is, for them to listen, right? And increase, or, or gather up. When you increase in value, you're gathering more value to yourself, right? So, an increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain. And that is, acquire guidance. So don't just think because you have a gray beard or a little bit of gray under your clerical nice and easy medium auburn number four that you don't need to continue growing in wisdom because God is saying in verse five, you're not done yet. And then we come to the explanation of of the second goal in verse 6. Remember the second goal in the latter part of verse 2 was straight thinking, to understand words of insight. Mr. Ortland used this example to explain, to understand words of insight. He wrote this. Think of the difference between Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. You know how a client would walk into Sherlock Holmes' apartment at 221B Baker Street, and Sherlock Holmes could take one look and know 19 things about him. And it was always elementary, my dear Watson. Dr. Watson saw the same person, but not with the same insight. The phrase, to understand words of insight, means that the not-so-obvious becomes obvious to you. Becomes. It's not something that from one day to the next just magically appears as a trait or an ability. It's a process. It's something that happens over time by listening and learning and growing in wisdom. Let's take a closer look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, to understand. This is straight thinking, the second goal. To understand a proverb, in our case, biblical truth about real life, and a saying. To understand the words of the wise, those who are ahead of you in wisdom, and their riddles, or their insight 
This requires listening, gathering, and acquiring. Remember verse 5, let the wise hear, listen, and increase, gather up in learning. And the one who understands, obtain, acquire guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Let me paraphrase paraphrase verse 6. To understand biblical truths about real life from those who are wiser than you so that you can understand their insight and be a straight thinker. Goal number two. Proverbs teaches us to grow in deep character. Goal number one, so that we may be a straight thinker or wise. Goal number two, that we may live life well for the glory of God. Verses one through six, how this book communicates and who it is from and the goals of the book all point to the main theme of the book of Proverbs, which is on display in verse 7 as the gateway to the book of Proverbs. The gateway. Point number three. When I hear this, when I think of the gateway, I automatically go to the Wizard of Oz. You've seen the movie. Maybe some of you have read the book. I haven't read the book, but I've seen the movie, the old, the old movie. The Wizard of Oz, not the newer one, the old one. When they're standing before the threshold that led to the great Oz, these huge doors open, revealing a long corridor of, made of beautiful emerald floors and walls. I, I'm guessing it was emerald because we were in, they were in Emerald City, right? And they're walking down this, this hall, this corridor, they're trembling. <laughs> the, the main difference besides the obvious is that their fear was sheer terror. Which is nothing like the fear spoken of in verse 7. Now before I go into what this phrase, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, actually means, let's take a closer look at the verse, at the verse as a whole. Much of Proverbs was written as Hebrew poetry, which is written in parallel lines. You'll have an A line followed by a B line, and uh, with the B line clarifying the A line. So in verse 7, the A line would be the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and the B line would be fools despise wisdom and instruction. So how does the B line help us here? The key in the second part of the verse is the word despise. Despise. It is an emotional word to feel contempt for or a deep repugnance for something. It's very subjective. In other words, it's based on personal feelings and opinions. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Well, if you are of the opinion that you are above instruction or that you are too smart for wisdom, 
or you're too good for it, or even that you're too busy to be bothered with it, then you're also without reverence for the Lord. You do not fear him as someone who you revere and love, someone who you esteem with the highest regard, someone who you desire to please with your whole being. You are the definition of a fool, someone who is unwise. You see, fear of the Lord is not a cringing dread to be before him. It's not a trembling fear as, as in a fear of someone who's about to hurt you, like the fear that Dorothy and her companions had before the, the Wizard of Oz. It's not a guilty feeling of being in trouble, but rather a reverence for him, a feeling of awe, a desire to please him. A humility to be instructed by him. A desire to surrender to his will. An eagerness to turn from evil. A desire to bow low in his presence. A desire to honor him as Lord. This is what it means to fear the Lord. And what is it that fools despise? Wisdom and instruction. What is it that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of? Knowledge, which is wisdom and instruction. You see, fools despise wisdom and instruction, whereas the wise fear the Lord, which is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of our journey into wisdom. And how is it we come to fear the Lord? How is it we come to fear the Lord? Well, one way is to know who he is. But even the unrighteous and the ungodly know who he is. Romans 1, 19-20 say this, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. But this is a knowledge that can be replaced with worldly things because our heart is made of stone and does not desire God. The modern world emphasizes self. Self-awareness, self-sufficiency, self-love. We become the judge of all things and hold ourselves in high regard in place of our creator. We can be smart and learn the wisdom of Proverbs without God, as some scholars perceive as accessible without God, but where does it get us? Where does it get us? James 4.14 says, You do not know what tomorrow will bring. 
What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So how do we come to fear the Lord in a way that will be lasting? We need only look at the cross. There you will see a wise man dying on the cross in place of fools like you and me. Suffering for sinners. Offered up as a sacrifice for yours and my sins. Able to make full payment for the sins of man because of his purchase righteousness, of his perfect righteousness, his perfect wisdom, his perfect sinless life. A life lived well for the glory of God. Not only will accepting Christ as my Savior, accepting that he died on the cross for my sins and receiving his righteousness as he takes on my sins, will I be forever forgiven and declared justified before God, but I will begin to fear the Lord as having reverence for him as having a love and desire for him, as having an awe for him, a desire to be in his presence, a desire to be instructed and disciplined by him, a desire to bow low to him and honor him as King of kings, Lord of lords, Christ my Savior, my God. You see, son, he said, turning to the young man with the unblemished heart, yours is not a perfect heart, for it has not lived. It has not been touched with joy and tears and laughter and love and pain and anguish and hardship and celebration. Only when you're an old man like me Will you be able to look upon a gnarled and battered heart and be able to say, yes, now that is a perfect heart. You see, brothers and sisters, your wisdom is not complete. The Lord our God is continuing to work in you through his word, and the fear of the Lord is the great gateway to knowledge and wisdom for living life well. It is God's wisdom for his glory. It is the beginning of knowledge. And if you don't know Christ yet, look to the cross. Know and believe that he died for your sins. Confess him as your savior. And then... Learn to know that the fear of the Lord is the gateway to knowledge and wisdom for living life well. It is God's wisdom for his glory. It is the beginning of knowledge. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wisdom of Proverbs. 
as we embark on this study now, Lord, this series of Proverbs, we, we ask that you would continue to teach us, to instruct us, to discipline us on wisdom, that we may live life well, and that we may tie this wisdom to the Christ who have you, you have given to us as wisdom. Father, help us to understand your ways, to know you better, to fear you as Lord, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.